Thank you, Peter, and our worship team as well for leading us in our, our time of worship thus far. It's been a great time of, of reflection upon the Lord Jesus Christ and His death, perfectly themed worship for this morning. So thank you to our team. If you have your Bibles with us this morning, please open up with me to the book of First Peter. First Peter, and we'll be reading from chapter 2 this morning. Let's read the Word of God to begin to look at why the Gospel matters above all else. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21. The Word of God says, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in His steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in His mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word this morning. As we come this morning to remember Christ, we are reminded of the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are reminded why the gospel is so central to everything we hold as a conviction why the gospel is so central to everything that we do and everything that we think. We need only turn the news on or listen to the radio or check Facebook, as my wife does, to see that the world around us is fracturing. The world around us is falling apart. People are becoming consumed with self. They have taken their eyes off the Creator God. And especially when we come to the true meaning of this brief pause this weekend, we pause from everyday life, society as a, as a whole has no idea, seems to have no idea what this holiday is truly about. There was once a time when even unbelievers would make a point of, of attending their local church on Easter, on Easter Sunday or on Good Friday. An article that I was reading this past week was saying that uh, this year church ex attendance over Easter is expected to be at an all-time low. And in that same article, a survey was taken of a thousand school children and over 50% when they saw a reenactment of the crucifixion, they thought it was a scene from Gladiator. That is the sad state of the world around us. This time that we simply set aside each year to remember the, the death, the burial and the resurrection of our Lord has been turned into nothing more than a chocolate-giving, bunny-giving, worldly, self-centered celebration of a four-day weekend. Disillusionment has taken over the hearts of many. But despite all of this, we come together this morning, because we have something in common. We are undeserving, 
unworthy sinners saved by the grace of God. No matter where we come from in life, what walk we have travelled, we come together this morning to celebrate the gospel message. The word gospel or, or good news, it means good news. So when we celebrate the gospel, we celebrate the good news that is the death that Christ bore. The death that he went through on behalf of us unworthy sinners. We gather together to affirm that the gospel matters above all else. We gather to affirm and declare a reality that is so altering, so life-altering, so powerful and so comforting that it brings immediate rest to the fearful soul and immediate cleansing to the burdened mind. The power of the gospel or the power of the good news is the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, as, as we know, some 2,000 years ago, was miraculously born into this world as a man, but yet still fully God. That's what Peter was taking us through. He is God, but His divinity is not diminished in any way. He is man, but He is also God. And it was this perfection, no wrongdoing was found in Him. He was fully God, fully man, and it was this perfection as well as his perfect obedience to the Father that led Christ to the hill outside of Jerusalem. On that hill at Golgotha, the place of the skull, he poured out his life. He poured out his life for us at Calvary. It was his death on the cross that is at the very center of all of world's history. And is it the center of all that we believe and hold to as Christians. In hanging on that tree at Calvary, Christ takes upon himself every sin of every believer, past, present, and future. We gather this morning because Christ brings peace and purity to a restless and an evil heart. He brings cleansing to the shattered and the broken life. He is the only way that we can be made right with a holy God. This morning, as we just look briefly at our passage together, there is so much rich theology and context. And I, going through this, this book in home groups, I hope that we've all had some time to go over these passages in, in depth. But in our brief time together this morning, I want to just look over quickly three things that the gospel makes much of. Three things that the gospel makes much of. Firstly, the gospel makes much of God's ultimate justice. You see that in verses 21 to 23. Secondly, the gospel makes much of personal holiness from verse 24. And thirdly, the gospel makes much of the security of salvation that Christ paid dearly for us. And all this to see the centrality of the gospel in our lives, in the believer's life, to see why the gospel matters above all else. Firstly, the gospel makes much of God's ultimate justice in verses 21 through 23. Peter, when he writes this letter, he's writing to the scattered people who are suffering for their faith. So our verses are about the example of suffering for doing what is right. When it comes to that very thing, Christ is the perfect example. He is the perfect example for suffering for doing what is right. 
In fact, Christ's death is the greatest injustice in all of humanity. His death was the greatest act of injustice against the most innocent person who had ever lived. And to begin to understand this, we must come back to an understanding of sin or wrongdoing. Every sin ever committed is an abomination to the Lord. Every evil thought, every evil deed, or hatred of others, or malice, or vengeance, or love of the world's ideologies and the world's pleasures, it is all a vile stench to the nostrils of God. As the Word of God tells us, God's character is that of holiness, of perfection. He's set apart. He's a God of justice. All sin ever committed must be punished. Otherwise, God would be unjust. Right? If God did not punish sin, He would be unjust. So for our sins, there must be payment. Now either the, the sinner is punished in hell for eternity, or Christ is punished as our substitute. There was a time when, when payment could be made temporarily with sacrifice of animals, as Peter read to us, earlier today, of Abraham. But this was merely a foreshadow of what was to come. It was merely a signpost for what was to come. A signpost for God's perfect plan, whereby He sends His Son, His only begotten Son, second person of the Trinity, sent to be our sacrificial lamb. On this, anyone or anything can be sacrificed. But it is the perfection of that sacrifice that matters above all else. And Jesus being God's only begotten Son, He was the perfect sacrifice. He committed no sin, nor could He. This perfection enables Him to pay in full for all the sins of His children for all time. Let's look just at the time of crucifixion for a moment, back in Matthew 27, verse 46, it says, About the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that very moment, as Christ was hanging on the cross, saying these words, He was experiencing the abandonment and despair that resulted from the outpouring of divine wrath on Him. As the prophecy of Isaiah tells us, 53 verse 10, the Lord was pleased to crush Him, putting grief. He would render Him as a guilt offering. So Christ goes through this, this separation from God, not a cessation of existence, but there was a moment in time when all sin was poured out upon Him and God had to turn His back. He was forsaken by God. He was made sin, made our sin. It's very clear though that whatever abandonment was experienced at that moment, it was quickly gone because not long after that, Christ says these final words in Luke 23, verse 46. Jesus, crying with a loud voice, says, Father, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, saying, having said this, he breathed his last. Notice what 
Jesus says here. He calls out, Father. That's something important because just a little while before, he had not called him Father. He calls him, My God, My God. And now he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So whatever experience of spiritual separation he had, it was only for a moment. And he was made our sin. And then, his spirit was made alive, he was committed to God, his Father, and he breathed his last. Back in 1 Peter again, verse 23 tells us that he, Jesus Christ, entrusted himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus trusted the perfect justice of God. He trusted that his suffering and the payment for our sins was undeserved. Yet all part of God's perfect plan of redemption. He knew ultimately that God would exalt him from the great and reward him for what he willingly endured for others' sake. God rewarded Christ by giving him the right to completely save us from the penalty of sin. As if that when God looks at us now, no longer does he see the need to punish us, but rather he sees his own son. We are robed in Christ's own righteousness, declared, paid for, signed, sealed, delivered. We have been made right before a holy God, not by our own doing, but by the blood of Christ. Christ makes much of God's perfect justice. He trusts God's justice. He trusts that he has done nothing wrong. Once the sin has been paid for, God's wrath has been poured out on him, God will raise him once again in accordance with the prophecy. Secondly, the gospel makes much of personal holiness in our lives. Verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. Notice at the end of the verse there, by his wounds you were healed. Past tense. Because Christ died himself for us, taking our sins upon himself. No longer do we need to go back to the things for which he died. That would only denigrate the power of the gospel. Because we have been saved, we no longer need to practice habitual sin. He died, he bore our sins. Why? So that we might die to sin also. The old nature is gone. We are a new creation in Christ. That's why we call it being born again. The power of the gospel enables us to pursue holiness, to pursue godliness, to pursue righteous living. We're empowered to do so. Yes, we, we still struggle with sin and, and temptation, but 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us that God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. What a beautiful promise that is. No longer do we need to give in to the flesh, but rather we can take heed, resist, look to Christ for the strength to overcome. As believers, we have a choice to give in to sin or to resist it. And through the power of the gospel, we are able, by the healing of Christ, we can overcome sin and temptation in our lives. By his wounds, 
We have been healed. Third and finally, as we begin to close off this morning, the, the gospel does one more thing. It makes much of the fact that we are secure. The gospel makes much of the fact that we are secure. Verse 25 says, You are continually straying like sheep. That's how we used to be. That's what we used to be like, straying like sheep. But now you have returned to the shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Christ makes much of the security that he paid for. He's saying here, I rescued you. You're now under the shepherd. You are under the guardianship of me. I am the guardian of your souls. And as guardian, as protector, how does he care for us? For the best description of that, John 10, 28 tells us, To them I give eternal life, and they will never be perished. They will never perish. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for the security we have in Christ. No longer do we need to be tossed around by the things of this world, but rather let us continue in purity, knowing that Christ has made us eternally secure. We are under His guardianship. This morning as we return to our homes and continue on with our weekends, may the scriptures that we've just looked through briefly this morning be on our hearts knowing that Christ died for us, enabling us to live for His glory, knowing that we are forever secure under His protection and His guardianship. It is the power of the gospel through the Lord Jesus Christ and should always matter to us above all else. Let us pray.